Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Since we are summoned by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside our weight and, and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfect and perfecter of our faith, who, who was the sake of the joy that was set before him endured on the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sierra. Very well read. It is good to see you all. Thank you very much. It's good to see you all. And it's, it's, it is great to be with our friends, now lifelong friends there in Ireland. And, um, but it is really good to be home and to see you all. I'm grateful for Britt and then Jason. Um, I, I don't lightly give up the pulpit. Uh, and when I do, I want it to be something that I believe uh, will edify all of us. And I believe that they have over the last couple of weeks. So thank you. Thank you very much. Now, some of you went back to school this week. Others of you uh, will go back to school in this coming week. And uh, so uh, I hope that you are going to school at least a little bit like this young lady is, is going to school. You can't hear it, but her dad's like saying, go on, go on. It's time for you to go in the house. But she's still so excited about it. This is going to be a big year for her. Can you tell? (laughs) A very big year. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I saw it going around, uh, and I I love that. So um, I do this ever so often. Um, So here's what I would say about about the video. Like, it's going to be a big year. It's going to be a big year... uh, for you, this, this chapter that you're about to write has, every, has all the makings of a really big chapter. And some of you will see this book, and I, I love doing this every once in a while. Now, I didn't bring up the whole thing, not going to do the whole thing, but here's kind of the, the gist of it, right? Here's what, what I like to do. Sometimes I like to bring out my big old fat Bible, and then I'll bring out my own little Dr. Seuss, my book about me, and I'll say, it matters. Like, you're supposed to be a chapter in God's, God's larger story. You don't want to just try to force fit God to be a chapter in your story, because whatever book is on the outside kind of calls the shots. It, it sort of gives you the definitions of the most important words, like rich, poor, strong, weak, right? Like if you have the big book, the Bible, the big story on the outside, and it's defining for you what this word strong means, it might look different than if you have your own book on the outside, you're trying to force God to live up to your definitions of the most important word. So while it is a very important, important year for you, and you're going to write a very important chapter in your life story this week, what may be an even bigger decision for you, what might be even more important is what book is on the outside. Because whatever book is on the outside really is 
controlling and narrating, let's say, narrating your life. It does matter. Like, if you are only an athlete all the time, and as an athlete, you are only fixated on winning, then this might make some sense to you. Vince Lombardi, who uh, some of these young folks in here won't know this, this guy was a, was a, a, a pretty good football coach of the, uh, I believe it was the Green Bay Packers a long time ago, right? And he is famous for saying a lot of things that are really good. Really, really good. He says some really good things about teamwork. He says some good things about preparation. Then he says some good things about winning. And then he says this about winning. And he says, winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. Well, that makes sense, right? If a particular book is on the outside, and and if that particular book that's on the outside is athletic conquest, right? What is the book that is on the outside for you? Like, what, what... what story with the capital S are you living out? Maybe it's not athletic conquest, but maybe it is winning. Like maybe you're saying to yourself, I have a friend who likes to say this, you win a few and you lose a few, but you hope you win more than you lose because if you don't, you're a loser, right? <laughs> and maybe winning for you is not so much something that happens on the field of play, but it's sort of life. And you would say to yourself, must win. It's a must-win, every day is a must-win situation. And winning at business, winning at, wow, this could be scary, but winning at my relationship obligations, winning, that's what's most important. Winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. I, I would submit to you that as it has to do with you finding your place, and, and me, as I find my place, in this larger story of what it is that God's trying to do in and through all of us and each of us, I would submit to you that you can make an idol out of winning such that it really starts to be toxic. And, and it can really mess up how you understand the God of all Scripture, the God of the story, the Lord of your life. What if I were to say to you, and I think this is true, there is something more important than winning. Well, I don't know then if I'd want you to work for my widget company. I, I don't know if I'd want you to be uh, in my, on my team, John. If you think that there's something more important than winning, I don't know if I'd want you on my team. Here, here, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. The Bible and the biblical story doesn't champion winning as much as it champions faithfulness to the story. The Bible doesn't champion winning as much as it champions faithfulness to the story, the mission. Yeah, but isn't it important that we win? Oh, yes. And let me say, as someone who has been guilty of cheating at Uno on a regular basis, just so I can win, I enjoy a good win. I I know, my sister cheats more than I do, but still. I enjoy winning. I like for my teams to win. I, I am a fan I think I'm probably even a better fan when my teams win than when they lose. So winning is important in my, in, my, in fact, here's the deal. If, if I can't win, I probably won't play. <laughs> uh, it feels like a therapy session all of a sudden, doesn't it? Now, all of that being said, 
There's something more important than winning. We don't know a whole lot about the circumstances behind the writing of the book of Hebrews. What we can draw from its pages goes something like this. Um, The author, probably not Paul, the author is writing to a group of people who are on a regular basis losing, losing, suffering even, persecuted, and perhaps losing and they are suffering and they are persecuted so much that they're starting to wonder if this whole faith thing, this little church thing, if it actually makes any sense. Like if, it, if we're gonna lose this often and if it's gonna hurt this badly, then are we doing the right thing? Like haven't you ever been around the people who say, oh, God must be against this because it's hurtful. This is not working and since it's not working on, quantifiable sorts of, on a quantifiable sort of basis, then this must not be God's will. It must be God's will for me to exit this marriage because I hate it. Right? It, it, it must be God's will for me to do something different because this is so incredibly uncomfortable, it's hurtful, uh, there's, there's suffering attached to it that surely God wants me to win. Surely God wants me to win. Well, let me, let me say again, as we start to move through these verses, God has in mind something better than you winning. God seeks something from you more than you having such an appetite for winning that you would win at all costs. In fact, let me say this to you. When folks who are wearing our colors and our labels as Christians, when they demonstrate that the cause is so just that they will win at all costs, and that would include breaking the rules, that is not the dream of God. I think God dreams for something more than winning. God dreams for us to be faithful. So Jason did it beautifully last week. He walked through this this sort of hall of fame of faith, right? And you heard some very familiar names. And in the verses that are left out between his passage and mine, we talk about Abraham. And then we talk about Moses. And what the author of the book of Hebrews is trying to say to a group of people who are battered and beaten, who have lost on a regular basis, what he's trying to say or what she's trying to say to all of them goes something like this. Listen, you've got to put your suffering and your losing in perspective. You are up to something bigger than you can imagine. You're part of a much larger story. And within this story, not only do we have the periodic victories, but we have very painful losses. But here's the common thread throughout. God is faithful and the people of God are faithful. Make sense? There's a startling verse here in eleven twenty four. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered, this is, listen, this is not frightening, but this is shocking. He considered abuse suffered for the Christ, Moses. What? to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. Now, you may not remember Jesus being in the pages of that story. But hindsight is what? Really, seriously? Yeah, come on, yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty. So the author is saying, look, Moses was up to something bigger. He may not have known exactly what it was gonna be, but Moses recognized that today's sufferings and today's losses, so long as I remain faithful, God is using those to accomplish the bigger thing that God wants to do in and through this story 
with a capital S. Do you have perspective on what you would consider your losses? Is God only God when you win? <laughs> no, God's God, period. And you're a follower of God, not just when you win, but when you're faithful, whether or not you win. I mean, let me just read some chunks to you here. Verse 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. Now be watching for the winds in here, right? We're gonna put that in the wind column, even though it's kind of gruesome. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. When? By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. That's another win. What more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. When? Administered justice. When? Obtained promises. Shut the mouths of lions. When? When? Quenched raging fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Sword, one strength out of weakness became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. All of this winning makes Lombardi jealous. And then, verse 35 Women received their dead by resurrection, but others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and beatings and chains and imprisonment. Oh, uh, loss, 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 loss. And there's more, and it gets worse. It gets ugly. It gets very ugly in these next few verses. Verse 39, yet all of these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better and bigger so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. In other words, Hebrew folks, Oklahoma City first folks, listen, God is up to something big and God is still accomplishing that something that is bigger than all of us. They didn't get it finished. They aren't complete without us and we aren't complete without them. They help us to understand how to understand our failures our losses. Now, these verses should make more sense. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, some of them the world would have no problem putting into the winner category. Some of them the world would have no problem putting into the loser category. Abject failures. By the way, it, it was not good, it was not good to be executed publicly. That's not, a, that's not a, a good spot, a highlight of your resume. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. We'll say it again, it's not a sprint. <laughs> it's even more than a marathon. It's something bigger than that. Looking to Jesus, pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the losses, the cross, disregarded the culture's understanding of that cross, all the shame that would come with it, and now has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. I guess I would ask us all a very important question here. 
which story is defining the terms for you. Missionary, Leslie Newbigin says this, if the biblical story does not control our thinking, then we will be swept into the story that the world tells about itself. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> and we saw evidence of this play out on our screens if you were paying attention. Some of you have seen this. It, it's the season of the Little League World Series. Some of you already know where I'm headed. And there was a Tulsa team playing against a Texas team. The pitcher is a kid by the name of Caden Shelton. And the batter was a guy by the name of Isaiah Jarvis. And, and maybe you, you saw this. It's a big deal to be hit in the head with baseball. Now, the sound is not working, so I'm going to kind of narrate over the top of it. This kid actually ends up being okay. He stands up and he goes to first base. And at first base, he recognizes that the pitcher is wrecked. And so he does the unthinkable. He goes to console the pitcher. Now, the mics were on so they could kind of hear what was being said here. The pitcher said that the hitter who'd been hit in the head said to the pitcher, it's okay, just throw strikes. <laughs> just throw strikes. And he said, you're doing great. I'm fine and you're doing okay. I'm gonna be okay, you're doing fine. The crowd seems to recognize, it's his mom, the crowd seems to recognize what has just happened. Now what I found fascinating was the way that the interwebs reacted to it, right? <laughs> There's this guy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to protect him at least a little bit. <laughs> Bonehead, who said, this isn't good sportsmanship, it's dumb, he said. You got this kid, this pitcher on the ropes, and he's rattled. Trips to the, the Little League World Series in Williamsport's on the line. You can play patty cakes after. As far as the pitcher goes, that's your plate. Uh, this, this guy's in his mid-40s. The pitcher was 12. <laughs> what are we doing? Well, here's what we're doing. We're, we're choosing our story. And... Sometimes we choose it for our kids. These folks have been, the, the pitcher and the batter have now been on several morning shows. And when asked why he did what he did, Jarvis, the one who was hit, Isaiah said, well, I saw Caden was getting a little emotional up there and feeling bad for me. When I saw him getting emotional, I was just trying to be like Jesus and comfort him and really let him know that I was okay. I just wanted to make sure that he was okay too. Does this kid not know that winning is the only thing? No, he seems to know that he's in a much better story. Do you? By the way, Tulsa lost. I wish I could tell you that it all ended just the way we'd want it to, and that Disney was going to make a movie out of it and all that kind of stuff. No, they're at home. They lost. And we won't forget this Isaiah Jarvis kid because he was living the right larger story, and some of you aren't. 
The pandemic has taken the altar from us. I don't know if you've noticed that. The pandemic has taken the altar from us. It's too bad because what I would like to say to a group of people who know their way to the altar is, this is what it means to be saved, <laughs> to be extricated from the wrong larger story and then to find oneself, to accept the invitation to join the right larger story. Switching stories is one of the ways that we talk about being salvaged, saved. There might be an 11-year-old in the room who would say, I don't want to be this guy, I want to be the 12-year-old. There might be an adult in the room who would say, I am that guy. I wish I was the 12-year-old. The altar is a great place to switch stories, y'all. Now, if you all don't come to the altar, it's not like I'm going to report this to the denomination or anything like that. It's okay. I do think you can pray these prayers where you are. I do think it's good to know that we're all wrestling with these important questions. By the way, I hope on your way to the altar, you come to the table first. At the table every single week, we remind one another, we are reminded, and we rehearse the bigger, better story, which isn't winning is the only thing, which is Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. <laughs> Which then seems to unlock my capacity for faithfulness. So if you're helping us today, would you come help us to remember the story with the capital S that should guide our steps. Heavenly Father, as they come, would you bless these elements? Bless them, God, and make them into something that they would not have been otherwise tangible evidence of this larger story that, that reminds us on a weekly basis that you have extended yourself to us in love and grace and made yourself available to us in ways that we really can't imagine. Bless the elements, God, and somehow as we take them into our bodies, may they somehow shape us and orient us toward not winning but faithfulness. May we be shaped by your faithfulness and unlocked so that we too can be faithful regardless of how the culture would define, define winning and losing. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to come to the front with your hands cupped. There'll be somebody at the front of every aisle. One person will be holding bread, another person will be holding a cup. As you come, closer to the person holding the piece of bread, again, with your hands cupped, that person will take a piece of bread, stick it in your hands, and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup. When you do, that person holding the cup will say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you, and then take and eat, and then, friends, go find a place to pray. And it's a very simple prayer today. God, I just wanna make sure that the right story is on the outside. <laughs> that I'm living into the right story. And God, if you need to swap the stories on the outside of my little book about me, then please tell me and help me and help me. So if you come 
after you receive communion, you come to one of these front altars, we won't assume a thing other than that you are honest. But somebody at some point may come and touch you on the, the head, the neck, the shoulder, just so you know that you're not alone in asking these important questions. You might wanna make a trip to the side padded altars. If you do, we'll assume that you are there for a prayer for healing. Now it might be physical healing, but it might also be emotional healing, mental, spiritual, familial, relational healing. And someone will meet you there and pray that prayer with you today. I don't see Pastor Daniel, so if Dr. Tashin, if you could be over here, and then Ken, if you could kind of watch that over there, it'd be great. Now you can just circle back around and go to your seats, and that's really, it's fine. I'm sure God can hear all the prayers, no matter where we are praying them from. But I do hope you'll take seriously the opportunity that we have today <laughs> to demonstrate the faith of 12-year-old pitchers or hitters who get hit in the head. You may want to make a special trip. There's a bowl of water here meant again to remind you that you are included and welcomed in the people of God. And may the chill of this water remind you of your baptismal moment, moment, and your inclusion. If you prefer not to come down and take communion, but you'd like to take it with some of these prepackaged elements, we have people in the aisles ready to hand those to you, and they are ready as soon as you get them. Just take and eat and drink. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed. They took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, including today, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup, he held it up before them and said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, remember me. That would include today. And now, all across the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet, exit your pew to the left, come forward with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of God meant for the people of God.
know there are still folks in line. Welcome back. But I'm going to go ahead and start our confessional prayer. I do want to mention that today is Joe and Amy Miller and their daughters last Sunday with us before they are assigned as missionaries to Golden Bell Ranch in Divide, Colorado. We wanted to have them come down so that we could surround them. Jason will end up praying that prayer of commissioning for them. You guys just pick an altar. Yeah, that's fine. And so some of you may want to come down and surround Joe and Amy and the girls as again, they will be making the move this week. Heavenly Father, hear us as we pray this prayer of confession. Some of us are keenly aware that we are living out the wrong big story with the capital S. And we need your help. Hear us as we confess that reality now. And now God help us to be just quiet enough to hear you call us to something better, something more. Now hear this before I turn it over to Jason. May the Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Spirit, keep us in our life. Hey, church family, this is a Kids Sunday, so we have kids' prayers for you today. These are some of the prayers that the kids have prayed over this last month. So pray along with me. Dear Lord, hear the kids of our prayer. Hear the prayers of our kids. I pray that I have a good summer and that I can eat as much dairy as I want soon. Jesus, I pray that my mom's surgery goes well and can be over soon so she can feel better. I'm really excited about my visit with my grandma and friends this week. Lord, I pray for safe travels for my cousins who are going to Mexico. Heavenly Father, I pray for safe travel to and from kids' camp. Dear Lord, I hope we don't take any bad germs with us to Kansas to see our new baby cousin. Dear Jesus, exciting news. I lost my first two teeth on the same day. Jesus, I'm really looking forward to going to my friend's lake house and water skiing. Lord, I twisted my ankle, and I pray that it gets better soon. Lord, I'm really looking forward to my 10th birthday tomorrow. I'm going to the dentist on August 10th to get a discolored tooth fixed. I feel anxious and nervous, so I pray that I can relax. 
Dear Jesus, I'm praying that I will have a fun school year and a nice teacher. And now will you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I praise you for who you are. You are so good and so kind, gentle in all your ways. Thank you for the gift of relationship and childlike faith. I'm always so touched by the open and honest prayers of our kids who are sharing their life with you. Nothing is too big or too small to share with you. You delight in hearing it all. Dear Lord, I pray for our kids as they go back to school. I pray that it will be a year of discovery and learning, not only educationally, but also in ways to see your kingdom. May our kids be a light in your kingdom here on earth. Keep their eyes and ears open to opportunities to see that you are at work around them and in them. I pray for their teachers in each school that is represented here. Keep them safe, and may they sense your presence with them wherever they go. I am so thankful for teachers who pour into these kids to help them grow. May you bless them with a year filled with encouragement and confidence that their investment is making a difference. And now, church, join me. Okay. I'm going to say a prayer for the Millers before we say that Lord's Prayer as people have gathered around Joe and Amy and Carly and Audrey. And so, church, would you pray along with me? Jesus, we are so grateful for the ways in which the Miller family has made an impact on our faith family here at Oklahoma City First Church and in Oklahoma City. And Jesus, in grace, with your spirit, we send them to Goldenville, Colorado, that, God, you would continue to do a wonderful work in their calling and their ministry, that you would make a home for them with one another, and, God, that they would find a place where they could worship together as a family and be loved and surrounded. Would you be with the girls as they enter into school? And, God, would you just, by your Spirit, allow this family to know how loved they are here and that we send them in love and in grace. And, God, we ask for a blessing of your Spirit upon their lives. And now, church, there's many more that we would like to pray for people. Before we get to the Lord's Prayer, that, God, you would touch people like Ben Clipper, Cheryl and Pete Hall, Faith Sinclair, Matthew Larson, people like my friends Diane Dawkins and Scott Peterson, Randa Thompson and Linda Weaver. And, God, there's no doubt somebody here, either watching online or in this sanctuary, whose heart is heavier than all of our hearts, and together we pray for that one life that needs you the most. And together, church, would you pray this prayer that will be on the screens in front of you. It's the Lord's Prayer, and let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.